Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the In No Hurry podcast. I am your host, Colt Douglas Claiborne. So happy to be back with you guys for another episode. I am so excited to introduce today's guest, but before we do that, I want to let you know an update on the show. I've talked about it a couple times on this show, but back in the fall, I was accepted into Lisa Turker's book proposal boot camp, which is basically a 10-week intensive training program that takes aspiring authors like me and equips them with the knowledge and training to prepare a book proposal that can eventually be sent to agents and publishers. If you followed along this show for very long at all, you've heard me talk about my dreams of writing a book and that's a goal that I want to pursue. And this is just a huge opportunity, a rare opportunity for me and that journey that I'm super, super excited about, obviously. Nearly a thousand people applied to this, and I was one of a hundred people that was fortunately selected to participate in this session starting on May 2nd. This training will offer me the opportunity to talk with publishers from Thomas Nelson Publishing, and at the end, 10 people out of the 100 will be chosen to submit their proposals to the publishing board at Thomas Nelson. A handful of those will be awarded book deals through Lisa Turker's new book line called Compel. So what does that mean for the show? Well, after this episode, we're going to take a pause for a little while just so that I can put all of my effort and all of my focus into this training. I think that I owe it to myself to give everything that I have to this training because this does cost quite a bit of money, which I'm going to get to here in a second. But we are going to take a pause from recording some episodes for just a short season and return later on this summer with more interviews and other conversations that I hope you guys will enjoy and engage with. And while this is such an awesome opportunity, there is a cost involved. And I would love for you to support me if you can financially, but obviously above that through prayer. This is just one of those things that I do believe is a door that God opened. And I am just trying to prayerfully enter that and follow where I feel like he is leading me. So I appreciate all of you that have listened to the show and supported the show. We are going to be back later on this summer, but right now my focus is going to be on going through this training and giving it everything that I have to set myself up, hopefully uh, to be in a position to have a book published maybe this year or sometime down the road. But I did start a GoFundMe and you can check out the link in the show notes if you want to check that out. I would love your support through prayer through any financial means that you're able to. And if you can share this with anybody who you think might be willing to support me as well. But for my final show, before we pause for a little while, I am excited to have author Drew Dick on as my guest. Drew's book, Your Future Self Will Thank You, was my March book of the month. And we had such a fun time talking over Instagram Live the other day. And this is our conversation from Instagram. So if the audio quality is a little different, That's why, but I was super excited to talk to Drew and we had a great time talking about this book about self-control and really exploring the brain science as to why self-control is such a hard thing for us to do. So hopefully you were able to join us on Instagram Live the other night, but if not, here is my conversation with author Drew Dick. There we go. What's up, Drew? There we go. Sorry about that. Yeah, it was saying that it was saying that you needed to upgrade the app for me to let you join. So yes, yes, we're in business now, and I was going frantically through. Okay, I got to upgrade this thing. <laughs> I obviously lack some some key Instagram skills, so thank you for bearing with me. It's all good. How are you doing tonight? 
I'm doing good. I heard you talking about your bracket. Yeah, it was. It's yeah. not. It's not good. It's not. Mine's, good. Per, mine's perfect because oh, okay. I ha I haven't filled it out yet. I'm waiting until after the tournament. That's, <laughs> that's probably that's probably, hey work work smarter, not harder. There you go. <laughs> yeah, this is a I I you know it's a weird year. I was happy just to be able to to fill one out this year. It wasn't able to last year. Um, it's right. definitely, definitely not. I think everybody's is pretty much messed up at this point. So totally. Uh, okay. I got a break for a second though, about what was it like two, three years ago? I did one and I had three out of the final four teams, right? Wow. And I had the winner and I was so mad that I didn't put any money on it. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe Christian's not supposed to gamble, but that year yeah. I wish I would have. Yeah. And in the 2015, I got all four final four teams, right. And the final two teams, I had Wisconsin winning, and they lost to I think it was Duke in the championship game, but wow. I won. I got second place in several pools, so I was pretty excited about that. Nice. That's the best. That's the best I've ever done. So that's all that I needed to keep coming back was doing <laughs> was doing that well. But, right. <laughs> but uh, man, I I loved this book. This is this is Thank truly. My, so my wife is a is a counselor, a mental health counselor, and so I told her like she she needs to read this book. Um, and so I'm excited to pass this on to her, but, but this is one of the best books I've read in a long time. I really enjoyed it. So we're going to be, for, for anybody joining us, we're going to be talking about, uh, self-control tonight with Drew. Drew is the author of this book. Your future self will thank you secrets to self-control from the Bible and brain science. So, um, I, you know, this is, it's a, I think this is a very relevant topic to so many of us. I think all of us to some degree struggle with self-control some of us in, in a lot bigger way than others. And, and as, as I was reading this book, um, it really was eye-opening to me just about habits and things that I was aware of that, you know, and, and, and really why I was not able to succeed with certain goals that I had or resolutions that I've had or other things like that, because uh, you break down the science of it. You talk to a lot of psychologists um, and it's just fascinating from a biblical, but also a psychological and brain science standpoint. So um, you kind of talked about, you know, your motive for writing this, but I always love to ask authors from the beginning, what was your motivation for writing this book? Yeah, I, I wish I could say it was just like academic interest, <laughs> but the truth is, or that I had so much expertise in this area, I had to share with others. But yeah. the truth is, is that this was an area in which I struggled myself. And yeah. um, I mean, similar to what you were saying, just having goals every year, doing resolutions in January and never really meeting any of them. Uh, and and so actually, at first, I wasn't writing a book. I was just kind of like uh, reading some books and some of the literature on the topic uh, for myself. And I was, oh, I don't know how many books and academic articles I'd read before all of a sudden light bulb went off. And I said, hey, maybe there's a book here. And most of what I was reading was kind of from a secular perspective. And so I was thinking, hey, there's, there's a lot, of course, that the Bible has to say about this. Christian writers have, have written about this topic. And it's crucial, obviously, one of the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5. Um, and so I, I thought, can I bring those two together? And my hope is that, that the book, uh, will be as helpful for other people as it has been for me. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's self-control. I mean, this is kind of, I guess, a general umbrella question. We're going to get into some of the more finer points of this, but, but why, why do we struggle with this? Why is it such a hard thing for us to struggle with? Because, you know, like you're saying, it's something that you personally struggle with. That's what prompted you to kind of get interested in, in studying and writing about it. But, um, why is this something that we, that we have such a hard time with? Yeah, great question. There's a lot to that, but I'd say, yeah, we're always surprised by our inability to control ourselves, right? Yeah. Uh, but we really shouldn't be uh, because, uh, and maybe we'll touch on this more later, but like researchers have discovered willpower, that is our ability to do difficult things to withstand temptation, 
is a finite resource. Mm -hmm. It's depletable and it, and it runs out rather quickly. Uh, and so when our willpower runs out, we shouldn't be too surprised. And then from a Christian perspective, we know uh, it's an unpopular topic these days, but that there is a fallenness to our nature, that there's that actually our hearts are bent towards sin and selfishness, right? So so behaving in a way that, that puts others first, that kind of glorifies God, that avoids certain sins, that's not natural. So we actually right. have to fight against that impulse, right? So um, I, I think that's that's the reason where it's an uphill battle in many ways. Uh, and it's tough. I mean, I, I hear people like talking about the fruit of the spirit and like, which one is the hardest? Well, I mean, they're all hard, right? Joy, yeah. peace, love, all those things. But self-control for a lot of us is the one that gets us uh, because it really demands that we we go against the grain of our nature and that we trust God and that we surrender certain areas of our lives that we'd rather uh, kind of uh, keep to ourselves. Yeah. Uh, and so there are a lot of ways it can go wrong. That's for sure. Yeah. And I know like just as a as a teacher, we've heard things about how it takes, you know, however many long day, how many ever many days to do something before kids start to really make it a habit. I think in this book, you said that there's, well, there's one belief where it's 21 days of doing something to make it a habit, but really it's actually closer to about 66 days to make something a habit. And so it's, it's hard. Cause I think we get so excited. Like I'm very prone to um, getting excited to start something. Right. <laughs> but then once I, once the newness of it wears off, it's like, it's very, very easy to then just forget about it. And so to make something a habit it takes a long time and it takes a lot of dedication. Uh, what, what was your takeaway whenever you were studying that, that part of it? And maybe what's kind of your commentary on, on why just us as humans, maybe even specifically Americans, we have such a hard time sticking with things long enough to make them a habit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm great at starting things. Man, yeah. I'm awesome. And I always got to start like on a Monday or a new year's or something like that. Yeah. Right. Uh, a diet and exercise regimen, you name it. And I just kill it for the first couple of days. Right? Yeah. It's the follow through that's a little tougher. And you're right. You, you mentioned some of those time frames that, that researchers look at for how long it takes for habit formation to kind of take effect. And, and yeah, 20 to 30 days. Uh, although, yeah, for a more complex behavior, it's usually closer to 60 days. Uh, for simpler behaviors, um, it can be like, yeah, 20 or 30. Now, and what freaks me out is when I think of my own life, when I look back and how many times I did like an exercise regimen, say it's like jogging every day, and I would do it for two or three weeks and then quit, yeah. right? And, and the thing that stinks about that is that, that that's the hardest part, right? We, the first, you know, couple weeks, because it's novel, it's difficult, you're out of shape, whatever the behavior is, say it's praying every day, reading your Bible, uh, eating well, it's difficult at first, and it gets easier as you go, because what's happening, there's a neurological basis to all this habit formation is it kind of just gets cemented and those neural pathways get made and then it gets easier. Like the guy who runs 10 miles every morning is not getting up and slapping himself in the face and going, I got to do this. It's so <laughs> yeah. hard. I don't know if I can do it. I'm feeling so lazy. I mean, it's a habit, right? He just goes yeah. out and does it. Um, and so, so many times we actually come right up to that threshold and quit, <laughs> which is scary yeah. because it gets easier as you go. If you can persevere. Another thing, Sorry, I'll get ranting about habits because they no, are such a crucial part of this topic yeah. um, because they're basically taking things that are conscious and effortful and making them unconscious and effortless, right? And yeah. this, so that's the goal. And so you're not draining that precious commodity that we call willpower all the time because you're yeah. kind of doing it on autopilot. Um, and so yeah. they're absolutely crucial. And the, the, the way to go about it too, and this is what always tripped me up. I mentioned this in the book, like 
January 1st, I'd have like eight or nine goals. And they're like yep, big same. things, right? I'm going to change same. the way I eat. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I was talking to one guy. He's like, yeah, every January, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to read the Bible for two hours every day. It's like, good luck, dude. Like, especially if you're doing like nothing before that, right? Right. So you got all these big, major behavioral life changes that you're going to make ostensibly. And you actually believe it. I always did. Yeah. But then you've got this like this tiny pool of willpower. And what happens is it gets exhausted immediately. It just dries up. And so, and then all of a sudden you're really discouraged because you didn't do any of them and you're totally baffled. Like, wow, what a loser I am. Like, I couldn't <laughs> even do one thing. I right. couldn't even like, yeah. And, but what's happening there, it's actually a simple explanation. You're using up all your willpower. You would have been far better off to just home in on one habit and then don't make it, say your habit is you want to be a runner. Don't go out and run five miles the first day because right. that's just going to kill you and you're going to stop. You want to be really incremental about it and set a small habit. Maybe it's just like jogging around the block once or walking around the block. But if you just do that and you you persevere through that that window, that crucial window of habit formation, yeah. then it kind of gets stuck in your life. And then you can build on it from there. And then once that's in place in your life, you can turn to a different habit. So yeah. that, that was a huge light bulb moment for me, realizing I've been doing it all wrong uh, when, when it comes to doing that. And that was super helpful to know. Yeah, I'm thinking about, you know, last year around this time, my wife and I started, are, are you familiar with the thing called Couch to 5K? Yeah. It's, yeah. Yes. So I've done it like twice at the Couch yeah. one both times, but yeah, that was exactly. a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, so I, I've never been much of a runner. I hate it. Like, I, I just, it, I, I really, I genuinely, genuinely have, like, just, like, biologically, just, you know, hereditarily have bad knees. Like, my knees are horrible. They have been even since I was a teenager. So, like, I hate to make that excuse, but, like, legitimately, my wife and I started this, and what I do like about it is what you're talking about. It really does start you small. It's like the first day. It's like run for 30 seconds, then then rest for two minutes. Run for another 30 seconds, rest for another two minutes. It's like very much it, it gets, you know, over the course of eight weeks, it's supposed to get you to where you can get off of your couch. By the time you're done in two months, you can run for 30 minutes straight. And we made it through about four weeks of it. And my knees were shot. Like I had gone out <laughs> and bought brand new running shoes, hundred whatever dollar shoes. I still have them. I, I wore them on my walk today. But like once I bought those shoes, we never completed the couch to 5K uh, at all. And so I was like, man, like I really wanted to know. And, and this is what your whole book is about. Your future self will thank you. Like had I gone through that, the final eight weeks, would I have cemented enough of a habit to where maybe now a year from now I would be running a lot? I don't know. And I never yeah. saw it through. I never saw it through. And just like you're saying, like I even I even blog about this pretty much every New Year's. I love the new year and you talk about it what's called the fresh start effect and it's mm -hmm. it's i mean it, and it, there is a biblical aspect to it where whenever we receive grace we feel like almost like this rejuvenation whenever we feel like we've got a blank canvas to go out and do something we love that fresh start we love that blank canvas when it gets messy it's like let's just start over build it back up again how do we go from maybe using the mess that's there and maybe not just restarting but maybe using that to, to go back and finish what we did start and is, is there a self-control aspect to that yeah, well, great questions. Like, and, and with your example, the couch to 5K and having bad knees and your knees really tripping you up. I mean, I don't think that's just an excuse. That's a reality, yeah. right? So, right. you know, often, sometimes we set the wrong goals and it's like, oh my goodness, this, you know, maybe you should have been biking and swimming, you know, something that's yeah. a little gentler, <laughs> less high impact yeah. on your knees. Yeah. Um, uh, or people that are like really out of shape, say, and, and they want to try something like, huge right away, they need to be a little more incremental or, or, or choose something different initially. So that, that's one thing. Um, but yeah, the, the, I think the great um, uh, aspect of all of this, and you mentioned it, uh, researchers have termed this uh, phenomenon, the fresh start effect. 
And that is, like you said, when we, when we perceive that we're starting fresh, sometimes this is why we start things on birthdays, anniversaries, whatever, mm-hmm. New Year's, uh, we actually get a boost of motivation. It helps yeah. us. Uh, there's an opposite phenomenon, too, that I talk about in the book that researchers, actually diet researchers talk about, and it's the what the hell effect. <laughs> now, the what the hell effect is that you, you, you fail. So they look at diet. Uh, dieters, and if they have one small indiscretion, say they eat a piece of pizza or a candy, something small, or two Krispy Kreme donuts like I did or, today. Yeah. Hey, man, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's talking about Krispy Kreme right now, too. I know. <laughs> uh, it's hard to hard to avoid. But yeah, so you have that small indiscretion, and then what follows that is a full-on binge often, right? Have you been there? I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm doing great. I'm eating kale sandwiches. I don't know if that's a thing. But anyway, you know, eating all the good, <laughs> terrible food. And then all of a sudden I have like a, a few Doritos and then I'm like, well, you know what? I've ruined it. Okay, now I'm yeah. going to go nuts. And you just finish off the whole bag, right? That's the what the hell effect because it's like, okay, I've already ruined it. Might as well go nuts now, right? Yeah. And the opposite of that though is the fresh start effect because when you feel like you got that blank canvas. And what fascinated me about both of these things is that I think it works not only just like diet uh, um, and eating and those kind of things or productivity, uh, but when it comes to the spiritual side of the equation, when we're talking about certain sins and trying to live a holy life, trying to live the Christian life, because when we when we get in that place of like constant failure, and I've been there, right, where it's just like you think you've got this besetting sin or bad habit, and, and maybe it's not even like a, a, something of a sin of commission. It could be a sin of omission, something you're not doing that you're trying to do, whatever it is. And you just get this defeatist mentality, right, where you just kind of go, and I, and I, I believe in spiritual warfare. I believe, you know, you, the, the enemy kind of sidles up to you in those moments and whispers like, this is who you are. You're never going to get past this. You're never going to make progress, right? And you start listening to that voice. And it's and not only is it a lie, it's very demotivating because then you feel defeated. You don't, you're not trusting God. You're not walking in all the great promises of scripture um, right. and growing in godliness. Uh, whereas if you do internalize the grace of God, knowing that God's forgiven you, that he's giving you that fresh start, right? And as Christians, we have the ultimate fresh start. Right. We're adopted into God's family. We're forgiven. We're, you know, all of that. Then actually what, what flows from that isn't a desire to mess up again and go, oh, I'm forgiven and whatever. I'll just do whatever I want. It's actually the opposite. It actually encourages us to live a more healthy, holy life when we really get that, when we get grace. Because that's a big question I've gotten too. Like a lot of people are like, well, I mean, if, you know, because of grace, because of the fact that there's always more forgiveness on tap, why do we have to struggle to live a, a life of self-control? Like why even, yeah. you know, try? Um, and and the, I think the answer is it's totally backwards. It's actually grace that enables us. That's the fuel for us to live a life for God. Yeah, I love that. That's such good stuff. If you're just joining us, we are talking with Drew Dick. He is the author of this book, Your Future Self. Well, thank you. Uh, topic tonight is on self-control. If you've got questions for him um, about self-control, uh, maybe just anything that you struggle with, or if you've got questions about writing, um, he, he writes quite a bit. He's also got his own podcast. So any questions about that, drop those in the uh, the chat here and we can answer those. Uh, but hope, hopefully you guys are enjoying this conversation and thanks for joining us. Also feel free to tag anybody you think might be interested. I don't really know how that works. I guess they can join if they tag them. I, this is one of my like second Instagram lives I've done with somebody. So uh, hopefully that works. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> we're, ha- we're, we're having some fun and, and we're talking about uh, self-control and you know, a lot of this deals with habits. And one of the things that really stood out to me was you said that knowledge does not always translate to habits. And I know that I'm very guilty of that very fact. Like for me personally, I have a, I have a goal of writing a book and I have, uh, I feel like I've learned everything that I can learn about the book writing process. I know, you know everything that I need to know really about a proposal and, 
that you got a platform and network network and all this stuff. I've done everything that's like all of the ancillary things about writing a book. And I've written some stuff, but it's like actually sitting down and doing the hard work that I have like yet to master. And that's just one that, you know, project of mine. And I feel like some people can kind of can kind of relate to that where they can learn and learn and learn and like kind of surround themselves with all this knowledge. Like I'm kind of doing this circular motion because that's how I'm visualizing it. And it's like they haven't yet made it into the center of the circle with doing the actual thing. And I know you talk about that with our relationship with God, learning a lot about God, but not necessarily being in relationship with God. So how does that idea of knowledge not translating to habit uh, correlate to this topic of self-control? Yeah, it's really discouraging, honestly, because I've always yes. assumed and I and don't get me wrong. Knowledge is important, right? Especially yeah. knowledge about God, his character, you know, uh, all the, the core beliefs, of the Christian faith. Uh, that's essential. Um, and, and in every area of life, like you want to have a knowledge of good nutrition if you want to get healthy, right? Right. Or of exercise or whatever it is. You have to at least have a modicum of knowledge. You don't have to be like, you know, expert level. Right. Um, and the funny thing is, <laughs> you know, funny, like people always like, okay, what's the right diet for me? What's the right, is it, you know, exercise thing? Is it CrossFit? Is it, you know, keto? Is it all these? They all work. Okay. Spoiler alert. They all work if you actually yeah. do them. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's what yeah. I feel like saying to people. People are like, no, no, I just got to find the right formula for me. Yeah. That's the thing or the right productivity tool or app yeah. or something like that. It's yeah. garbage. They all work and not all of them, but you know, some better than others, whatever. Right. But the truth is what doesn't work is us. It's the self-control element. Right. right. Uh, Cause you're absolutely right. And it's hilarious. It gets like cruelly ironic sometimes. Like I'll, I'll be trying to write. And this is hard. Like, listen, I've, I've written a few books, but it's like a massive struggle. Writing a book is, yeah. like, is a hard thing, right? Especially when you think of it as this like 200 page undertaking. And right. so instead of writing a book, which I know I'm supposed to be doing, I'll go and, oh, you know, I want to read a book about creativity. So I'm yep. better able That's to write same. this, okay? And yeah. oh my goodness, my, my books need to be reorganized. I don't know why I never saw that yeah. before, but you know, I'll get to the right, you know, all these avoidance behaviors. Yep. <laughs> I can relate um, so much. <laughs> yeah, right. And then you feel like you did something and yet you haven't made progress on the most important project that you're trying to yeah. to accomplish and like you said you kind of work around it maybe you're, you're researching about it you're, and, and research is important but sometimes you get stuck there rather than facing the hard thing uh, of yeah. actually sitting down and doing it um and so yeah we're, we're experts at, at doing that and it it definitely relates to this topic because usually if you just kind of sit down you look yourself in the mirror and go what am i really supposed to be doing right now right yeah. <laughs> you know deep down what that thing is yes. um uh versus you know the third fifth seventh most important thing on your to-do list and it's really a matter of, of self-control now here's one tip though that really helps me and it's a pretty obvious one but it's like you said, writing a book, that's a daunting thing. And it is. That's why you should never try to write a book. You just write a chapter, right? Yeah. And actually, yeah. you don't write a chapter. You write a couple paragraphs, right? You got to bite that. You got to, you know, section it up into little bite-sized pieces right. and go through it that way. Because I'll tell you what, if I would have ever tried to write an entire book, if I'd like keep that in center of my mind, it would be almost impossible. Yeah. It's like, okay, this week I've got to write 1,000 words, you know? Um, and just focus on that. And then lo and behold, if you do that consistently, you show up in your chair every day or a few times a week uh, after a few months. Oh, my goodness. I got 20,000 words, you know, and, and yeah. it grows from there. Um, yeah. And so incrementalism, again, is so crucial to this topic uh, yeah. rather than knocking yourself out. And I've always done this wrong, like uh, before, even as a student, you know, I was one of those guys that would stay up all night writing the 10 page paper uh, frantically at four in the morning. Um, and, but if you can just do things consistently, small little things consistently, yeah. it actually adds up to way more productivity, 
way better life, way more success. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things you hit on is, is starting small. And I know that like the times that I have been successful or the times that I have tried to start small. I mean, that's why I think the couch to 5k is such a, is such a successful thing because it does encourage you to start small. Cause if I just set out tomorrow and said, I'm going to go run three miles, there's no way I'm going to do that because I I'm out of shape. I just ate two Krispy Kreme donuts today. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's like, there's just, there's no way, but if you start at a small, at a small, increment then work your way up i think you know that's how you get there so i mean as as humans do we have a a propensity to maybe bite off more than we can chew is that maybe the the issue here yeah absolutely that's another thing that researchers talk about see the thing is your future self is a rock star right like and here's a little tip if you want to ask if you want people to do things for you you know be part of something ask them to do it six months in the future they'll always say yes yeah (laughs) (laughs) because we assume that once we get six months into the future we're going to be in perfect shape. We're going to be like, you know, getting up early every morning and doing yeah. whatever it, we're, we're going to be. But then lo and behold, you get to your future self and he's or she is a lot like your past self. Right, and maybe yeah. you haven't made yeah. so much progress. Right. Um, and so that's that's absolutely true, because when we think of what we can accomplish in the future, we bite off more than we can chew. Yeah. And then we get discouraged. And then it starts that whole cycle again where you feel discouraged, defeated. And that actually is demotivating. It's not motivating. So you want to be realistic about the things that you agree to. And that's the hardest thing. Like for someone like me, I'm a people pleaser and I love people. I'm a bit of an extrovert. Um, And so it's hard for me to say no. Like, you know, people want me to do something or be involved in something or go somewhere. I'm like, yeah, cool. Yes, yes, yes. But if you do that constantly, if you say yes to everything, go everywhere. Well, eventually you don't have any time for those kind of bigger projects or goals or things that you're trying to accomplish. So yeah. yeah, be realistic about your schedule. Saying no is one of the hardest things, but it's one of the most important so that you know that this, what you have on your plate is important and it's doable for you. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, well, one of the things I think that that resonated with me a lot, just as a writer, you said, I like having written, not necessarily <laughs> writing. And I can totally relate to that because it's like, you feel really good about having something that you're proud of, but like, man, like I do a weekly newsletter and I'll be honest, there are some weeks whenever I just, I, I, I send it out on Monday mornings and it, it's, it's honestly sometimes feels like a chore because I wait until Sunday night to do it. And I'm like, now I've got to scramble and like force myself to be creative, to think of something that's worthwhile for someone to read. And then, but then it's like, once I, like I look back and I'm like, I'm actually glad I wrote that because I try to write stuff that's along the lines of like what I might want to use for a potential book someday. So even if it's not, the best, the best written thing. I know that I can go back and edit it as long as the ideas are there. And I know that authors say that all the time. Like, even if you write 500 crappy words, it's better than, than writing no words. And so, right. um, yeah. you know, and so, and so I, I like that idea, but man, it is so hard to get up and like, it's almost like, you know, you, you go on a hike and it's like, you know, it's going to be arduous or even like working out. That, this is, this is the one I always go back to is just working out. Like, you know, it's going to hurt for that hour or however long you do it. But when, when you go out, your, go about your day, you're going to feel a lot better. And so I think it's like this idea of delayed gratification, uh, that, which I think you get into in this book, you know, it's, it's that, that delayed gratification, I think is something that really it's a, it, it's such a, a benefit of, you know, when you look at your future self, it's like, that's truly when I, when I was, if I was to think about kind of, a, I guess, a thesis, at least that I took away from this book is that like, I like having written, not necessarily writing, but both are important because your future self, well, thank you for having gone through the process of writing or working out or whatever it is. So just that delayed gratification part of it. I mean, I think whenever you think about a, a book about self-control, I think you can't talk about it without talking about delayed gratification. So how important is it to maybe resist what we might want 
right now to understand that, hey, maybe tomorrow I'm going to want that. Like I like going to get iced coffee, but that's like, well, I know that if I get it today, I may not want, I may not be able to uh, afford it come Friday. Mm-hmm. You know, just like how much was that yeah. aspect, you know, part of all this? No, I think it's huge. And it's, um, and you're right about the writing. Uh, you know, people have romantic uh, ideas about what it's like to write. And, and when people tell me like, oh, I love writing, it just flows. And I'm like, eh. Did you really yeah, write well, some of this book at a, at a at a Chuck E. Cheese? Did you really? Yes, write- I did. <laughs> yes, I, did. Awesome. I got three little kids, man. Uh, That's awesome. Oh man, yeah. Talk about delaying gratification. At least for me, my kid, my kids loved it, right? But I was yeah. over the corner uh, with my with my laptop at one point, anyway. Um, but and I love what you said about writing a newsletter, something like that, where you're just like you have to do it weekly, right? Because the yeah. deadline's coming. It's like oh, okay, I can't miss it. Uh, you're getting in reps, getting better at something. Uh, you're you're kind of refining a skill. Um, and if it weren't for that weekly deadline, often you probably wouldn't do it. Right. Right. So that's yeah. where deadlines are, are so, so crucial. Like, I mean, without deadlines, I would, I wouldn't have written one book, uh, let alone three. Um, yeah. and so, and then, you know, when it comes to delayed gratification, which some people have noted is a decent definition of maturity, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, I look at my kids, it's like, okay, I'm going to give you something in 10 minutes and they're sitting there squirming and they can't handle it. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully as you get older, you're able to delay gratification more. Although some of us don't don't grow as quickly as we'd like, uh, mm-hmm. so that that's central to this topic. And I would note it's somewhat counter uh, cultural, right? Because I mean, we we are definitely in an instant gratification culture. Uh, you know, especially with technology being what it is. Yep. Um, you know, everything's just streaming; it's immediately available. Uh, we got Grubhub, we got Amazon. Everything you know comes right to us, especially these days. Uh, and so we're not the kind of people that like to wait. Like right. I, I got stuck in uh, Panera. Uh, drive through this week for 20 minutes and I just about lost it. I mean, it was awful. <laughs> At least you had your phone with you though. You could, you could, uh, you hey, know. man, that, that would have been really, that would have been you, really Which rough. you talk about at the time whenever you didn't have your phone and it was like almost feeling like you're, yeah, like, on an, have an anxiety life. attack. Yeah. It was awful. I almost had to talk to someone. It was terrible. Uh, <laughs> you don't have that continual distraction, right? So, all to say, our, the technology we have, our current kind of cultural setup, and even our cultural priorities. Uh, aren't really set up to enable us to delay gratification. And yet we know whatever the case is, whether our spiritual, mental, physical health, um, delaying gratification is absolutely necessary. And even though it sounds a little monkish or Victorian or repressive, uh, let's face it, it's biblical. um, That, you know, most sins are shortcuts. That's what I like to say. Uh, You you look at whatever sin it is, it's like, okay, no, gratify this desire now. Now, there might be a, a genuine desire that you have that God wants you to fulfill in a certain way, but sin is usually bypassing that and, and reaching for something immediately that you can have now. Uh, and so learning how to delay that gratification, and that's just a, that's a matter of practice. It's getting in the reps when you say no to a certain sin, no to a certain behavior, and you trust God that you will be fulfilled uh, in due time. Uh, that actually builds those those willpower muscles and you you get stronger. Yeah. Uh, and I believe that God just rewards that kind of obedience. And, and the other thing, the last thing I'd say about this is that often we feel like when we start something new, um, we feel like it shouldn't be hard, right? Because yeah. it's a good thing. It should flow. It should be easy. It should feel natural. Nonsense, right? O- yeah. Often the things that are the most valuable are the hardest to do. And it's going to feel wrong and weird and awkward. Um, but as you go, again, back to what we were talking about with habits, it becomes easier and easier over time to the point where it's almost effortless. And that's kind yeah. of the place where you want to get to, I think, yeah. ultimately. We had a comment. Somebody said, try waiting at Dairy Queen for 45 minutes. 
<laughs> oh, that'd just about kill me. Yeah. Especially if I'm waiting for a blizzard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you started talking here about, um, you know, phones and social media. So the name of my podcast is In No Hurry. And so there, this is this is a really a, a good part that I really wanted to camp out at because you do get into this book about how when we are in a hurry uh, going places, that's oftentimes when we're at worst. Now, John Mark Comer has mm-hmm. talked about how he's like, you know, I've never been proud of like the way that I've reacted to my family when I've been in a hurry with them, you know, and it's like, it, it's so true. And there's so much biblical truth about slowing down and being in a hurry. And I, I created my podcast kind of out of a season uh, whenever I was finally able to slow down, you know, and I'm a, I'm a, after this conversation, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to take a pause on my podcast for a little while, just because it's, I've been going at it every week. And it's like, I need to listen to my own advice and actually slow down for a little bit. So um, hmm. it, it's very, very biblical, but it's also, I think goes in with this, with this stuff about self-control, but I forget how you worded it exactly, but you're basically saying, you know, whenever we are going too fast, you know, our, our ability to have self-control uh, to slow, you know, is almost eliminated, really. So how did that oh, aspect yeah. of being in a hurry uh, play into this aspect of self-control for you? No, that's huge. And John Mark, I remember reading that, him talking about not proud of those moments when you're in a hurry, uh, and, and that resonates. And unfortunately, I've I've experienced that too, especially with little kids. <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I will just be out for a walk and I'm like, hey, I want to get at least like a mile down this path. And then like, uh, you know, the six-year-old's over there climbing a tree and you're just like, it, it's rough. Um, but yeah, I, I think the, what I said, it's like, I don't know if it's original to me, but we're like cars. We get in accidents when we're going too fast. Right. Yeah. Uh, and what really drove this home for me, this principle is for years, I was the um, editor or one of the editors, managing editor of leadership journal, okay. which um, uh, it's no longer in print, unfortunately, but it was um, a publication of Christianity today that was read mainly by pastors, and so I had a, like a lot of interactions with pastors and some of these big names, sort of national ministry type leaders. And I just see one after another crash and burn, whether it was like an affair or, and usually it was like a, a, a moral failing of some kind uh, or just being a total jerk to their whole staff and then everything explodes and, or, or money issues, you name it. Um, and I remember one in particular, um, when I'd interviewed him, I remember thinking like, he was like, had so much going on, just this, you know, blinding ambition and conferences and books. And I mean, just, and I'm going, this is impossible. Like he's yeah. like a Ferrari going down the road at 200 miles an hour and you are going to crash eventually. Uh, and so if you think you can kind of go at those speeds and not pay the price, I think you're fooling yourself. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, I would argue you don't do your best work when you're going fast, right? You yeah. know, right. When you're, when you're in a hurry and you're grumpy and you're glib and you kind of like, you, you just do things slop, sloppily, carelessly, um, rather than slowing down, really giving the important things, especially and the people in your life, the best that you have to give. And as I'm saying this, I'm feeling guilty because how often do I do that with my kids? It's often, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, often. And I remember this actually hit me hard and I think I've changed for the better, but my wife said to me, it, and this was after like, I'd come home from work and I'd just kind of be in a, not a great mood and not super engaged. And she said, Drew, I feel like sometimes we get the leftovers, right? And it's it's awful. Because here, like my family's way more important to me than my books or my job or anything like that, right? In fact, I'm doing that stuff for them mainly. And then yet I was giving them the leftovers because I was going too fast. I was trying to do too much. So yeah, yeah, slowing down, slowing down is huge. Yeah, that's how I felt. I I am a teacher uh, still. 
I did take a, a year away from it because my wife and I moved from Indiana to Kentucky. I was uh, the head tennis coach for the boys and the girls team. I was in charge of the yearbook, the student newspaper. I was the chairperson for a lot of committees and I didn't have any time to really do the creative work that I wanted to do. And so uh, whenever I created this show, it was during the year that I took away from uh, from teaching. And then as God would have it, we we go through a global pandemic where we're kind of forced to slow down. And uh, it just was like, there was, that was, you know, there was a lot of obviously very difficult and hard things that have, and still that are going on about the pandemic. But I think one sure. of the things that I'm very grateful for was the season of slowing down and being almost forced to slow down uh, and just right. kind of being able to, you know, peel back a little bit. So, um, right. but, but one of the things that I really, really like, you know, cause I, I write a ton about comparison and contentment and you get, you get into this here at the end, especially as it relates to social media um, and, you know, you talk about just exhibiting self self control on social media, and you know, like you talk about the guy who was, you know, he had a pretty big following on social media. That's how he reached a lot of his readers. Went cold turkey off of the apps, which is really hard to do, especially in the era. Which you know, as as I've learned uh, of trying to, to write a book, you got to build a platform, and it's hard to do that without social media. And so, to be able to do creative things and still be able to reach people without social media in this day and age is very very difficult. But even if you're not doing that and you're just an everyday person who's on social media, it's hard to not get, you know, the fill of the dopamine rush. Like we watched that social dilemma documentary and it was eye opening, yes. like just yeah. how crazy it is to us. But once going, going back to John Mark Comer, he, he, he says something in his book that really has resonated with me. And I probably reference this more than any other thing on these interviews. He says that we are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. And it's, it just yeah. hit me like a, like a dagger because I know that whenever I, you know, I wake up, I check my email, I check my phone, I check Twitter. Um, even when I'm at dinner, my wife's talking to me, and I'm checking my phone, and I'm looking at notifications. and And I tried to go when I wrote about contentment last February. I was like, I'm going to go all of February. Of course, I picked the shortest month of the year to do it to go without getting any notifications. And mm. it was like, and I still, but I found myself checking the, almost it more often because I was like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't get notified of it, so now I gotta go look. I gotta so go it, check. Yeah, yeah, I gotta go check. Yeah. But it's that dopamine rush that we that we crave, and you get into that too—that that science, the brain science of it. But man, that part for me was probably the, the most relatable because it's something that I struggle with the most. But as we think about contentment and comparison, having self-control over our social media use, uh, how just how important is it for us to guard against the, not just social media, but really any media, whether that's you know we struggle with looking at things we shouldn't look at on the internet or just spending too much time, maybe like you know looking at our fantasy football team or watching too many sports, that kind of stuff. You know, the, the, when you look at self-control through the, through the lens of media, uh, you know, what was, uh, what were maybe the, the points that stood out to you as you did the research and, and the, the main points that you want readers to come away with? Yeah. Well, not only is this uh, topic that is tech use important, but it's new yeah. because my parents didn't have to deal with this when they were my age. Uh, not even close. I mean, they had a, ch a TV sometimes with like three channels, right? Um, right. And, and so you didn't have that continual bombardment, just inundated with, with notifications and and looking for likes. And and then there's a, a, a corrosive spiritual element to this. As one pastor put it, you're comparing uh, your uh, your everyday life to everyone else's highlight reel, right? <laughs> because right, yep. everyone, you, you put your accomplishments, the awesome meal you had, vacation you went on, uh, yeah. but you don't put everything else, the kind of humdrum of everyday life. And somehow yeah. implicitly you, you think, oh, everyone else is like doing so much better than me um, mm -hmm. when, when they're not. And even if they are, it's not healthy to have that shoved in your face continually. Yeah. Uh, and like you mentioned, we, we, we start to crave that dopamine hit. And like I say in the book, um, 
for the first time in history, there are geniuses armed with millions of dollars uh, and their sole goal is to to distract you and to keep you, you right in. Yeah, it's terrifying. It's really yeah. terrifying. And and you asked like when I was researching this, what stood out to me? Uh, just the horror of the whole thing because <laughs> it, it really is a battle for your heart, yep. for your time, for your attention, uh, and it is addictive. It absolutely is because you're yeah. right. You crave those dopamine rushes. Now, what I found fascinating too about the dopamine thing, we call it the feel good chemical. It's actually a bit of a misnomer. What dopamine actually does is it it's associated with desire, mm -hmm. not with fulfillment, right? So when you okay. see, uh, you know, a delicious uh, pastry through the window uh, of a restaurant, you know, your, your brain gets flooded with dopamine because you want to eat that. It doesn't mean you have. In fact, you leave and you're probably frustrated because you didn't get to taste it, right? Um, yeah. and, and, I, and that's why I think that a lot of people come away from their time on social media. You don't feel satiated. You don't feel, feel fulfilled. Um, in fact, just the opposite. You feel kind of agitated yeah. and, and a little bit depressed. Uh, and you're like, well, why do I keep going back to this thing? Well, because it's stimulating. It's giving that that hit of dopamine. But dopamine is just makes you anticipate pleasure rather than actually satiates you. Anyway, all the same. Now, I'm not totally an anti-social media guy. Look what we're doing right now. I'm yeah. on Twitter <laughs> too much, as it turns out. Um, and I love same. it because I think you can I, – I don't – I'm not one of these people. It's like, oh, it's all phony and there's no rela relationship. Absolutely, there are. Uh, so it, it definitely has merit. But, man, if you don't – and this is relating it to self-control – if you don't figure out a way to carve out margin in your life where social media doesn't crowd in, it will crowd in everywhere. It'll get into every nook yeah. and cranny. You'll be sitting in your bed at night looking at it. You'll be looking at the middle of the night, first thing in the morning. You'll be like talking to your kids. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. As you're looking at your, you know, Twitter, yeah. Instagram. Uh, I've been guilty. I've been there. Um, so one thing, there are a lot of ways to kind of mitigate against this, but one thing that's been super helpful for me is what researchers call a bright lines strategy. I talk about this in the book and oh, there's Costi. Man, I'm there's seeing all Kosti, these friends. Yeah, I know. Jay Kim. I love Kosti, this, man. I've seen him. I've seen him on documentaries on my TV. Welcome, Costi. I know. He's famous. He's, <laughs> I, you get I, him I, on here. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I'll, I'll duck out, Costi. You jump in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, a bright line strategy, which is just basically these hard and fast rules that you make to limit tech use. I mean, you can do it with anything, diet, other things as well. But so, for instance, maybe, I don't know, a bright line strategy might be like, okay, I'm drawing a bright line. I'm not going to look at my phone af after 8 p.m. And what that does, the, the genius of it is it actually preserves your willpower because say it's 9 o'clock and you get that itch to check Instagram, right? And then you yeah. go and you go, oh, no, 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 I don't look at it past 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock or whatever the case is. Yeah. One thing my family has done, and we've done it imperfectly, is we do a little thing called no screen Sunday. Yeah. Just what it sounds like, right? Okay, kids, sorry, no cartoons for you, um, even with the pandemic, and we've been not able to go to church all the time. Um, and, and dad, no, no phone for you. And I'm usually the, the, the biggest rule breaker. Um, yeah. But I'll tell you what, man, when we do it, when we pull it off, it's a little slice of heaven. We're looking each yeah. other in the eyes. We're having real conversations. Uh, it's awesome. And so whatever it is, I don't know, and it's different for everyone because, like, I can't just go, okay, I'm not going to do email anymore. I'd get fired, right? So yeah. <laughs> whatever it is for you, you find those things where you can cut back, create some margin in your life, and if you can hear, I'm, you're getting bonus content right now. There we go. Screaming. Yeah. My yeah. kid's screaming in the background. <laughs> um, but, yeah, anytime you can, you can kind of put some parameters around that, uh, your life, um, where tech can't crowd in, that, that's a big win. Uh, and, and, and some people might say, oh, it sounds like legalism. Oh, well, you know, I yeah. call it, you know, what the Bible says, make no provision for the flesh. If you yeah. go, if you don't have a plan 
for limiting some of these influences in your life, you're going to lose every time. You need yeah. to be intentional and get some forethought and some bright lines in your life. Yeah. Are you familiar with Hannah Brencher? She's an author. Uh, she's written several books. I know the name. It's really familiar. She's got books with Zondervan. Um, okay. So she she's probably my favorite author, uh, but she – I, was, I had her on my podcast back. I'm in, sitting right well, here, man. Well, besides Drew Dick, of course. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. That goes without saying. Uh, yeah, th- that was obvious, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, Sorry. But, she, uh, but she, she was talking to me back in October on my podcast about um, how she uses this app to limit her screen time. And once she, once she hits it, it shuts her off. And only her husband knows the password to it. She doesn't even know the password. So if she wanted to get on it, she couldn't because she doesn't know the password to it. And so I thought that was like, man, that's a really good idea. It's definitely like very bold of her to do. Um, Cause I don't know that I could do that, but, but yeah, she only, her husband knows the password to it. So that, See, I if I did that, that with smart. my wife, I'd be like, okay, honey, come on, give me the password. Come on. I need yeah, to get yeah. back on there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd be was bargaining. Like, I was like, man, <laughs> that's, that's a genius. That was like, that's a really great idea to, to maintain self-control and I've tried that. I, uh, you know, I've shut off notifications. Like I used to get them for, like you were talking in the book, I used to get them for like uh, ESPN, every, you know, AP News, whatever else, just to, cause I was, well, I used to work in journalism. So I was like, I kind of need to, to be aware of it. But then I was like, my gosh, my phone is blowing up every second of the day. And I just was yep. conditioned to like look down at my phone and like the whole, it's like, it's impossible you, not to. It's yeah. Impossible. It's Pavlovian. It's like yes. when that thing dings or something, you've got to see what's going on. So that's the, that's the first thing everyone should do. Just yeah. go ahead and turn off all the notifications. Absolutely. That's, that's pretty much yeah. what they said on the, uh, the the social dilemma. They said really the only way to fight against all of this is to turn your notifications off. Because I remember them, them saying like, even like say that you work a job and you have a break kind of at the same time, usually every day. And that's when you check your phone. If you're not on your phone at that time, that's whenever you'll get the random like, hey, so-and-so just added to their story type of notification. Because they know once you go to check that, it's going to suck you in and you're going to look for, right. you know, 30 minutes or however long you need to. That's why like TikTok is genius. Cause it just, you just scroll like you just, Endle- the endless scroll, like the social dilemmas, you know, that's what yeah. you got to watch out for. Right. Cause there's yeah. no end to it. Um, yeah. and, and if you, if you actually, and I forget the stats, I put them in my book, but it's like, you know, oh, we spend like 35 hours on screens or, you know, a week. if you actually sat down at the beginning of your week and planned it out, you would never go, I'm going to pencil in 35 hours for surfing the internet, right? You just never do that. But if yeah. you just kind of have no plans going in, you'll default to that. Uh, yeah. And it's terrifying. The other thing I want to say too, like if you have a certain besetting sin or terrible habit, you might need to take extreme measures to get rid of it, right? Yeah. So if, if you're looking at porn, if you got a habit of looking at porn, for instance, maybe you need the, the to get rid of the internet. I don't know. I mean, maybe you can't do your job without the internet, or you get the flip phone. Yeah, get the flip phone. You get the flip phone, or the uh, what's it called? Um, Covenant uh, Angel Eyes. You know those software programs that will block everything like that. Um, Or, or if you have a shopping addiction, you know, you 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 get rid of the credit card or whatever it is. If you've got a certain you know vice or habit that's just kicking your butt every time, and you kind of go, well, no, I'm just going to try harder. Nonsense. You're going to lose for sure, right? It's got your number. So you need to really get serious about rooting that out of your life, even if it's very inconvenient and embarrassing and you got to tell someone, you got to get accountability, you know, whatever it is. Um, or if like, I mean, say, say you're addicted to ice cream, which I kind of almost am, <laughs> get it out of your freezer, man. You don't want that in the house. It's screaming yeah. at you all the time. Uh, yeah. And again, those things aren't legalistic. It's just wisdom. It's just yeah. wisdom. You got to do it. 
Man, this is great. So if people want to buy your book, it's available pretty much anywhere books are found, right? Yeah, there's this little um, bookstore in the Northwest called Amazon.com. Have you heard of it? <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to say I thought you were going to say Pal's bookstore, the little bookstore. Oh, there, there you go, Pal's man, best man. bookstore in the world, downtown Portland. Yep. Yeah, yeah, like the whole city block of books. I used to live near there, and I had no money, so I'd go over there every day. I'd get a book and I'd start reading it, and then I'd hide it somewhere weird, like in the sci-fi fiction area or something and then come yeah. back the next day and keep reading that. So that was, that was my jam for a while. Yeah. My wife and I got to go there. We went to the Pacific Northwest for a trip. I think it was 2018, summer of 2018. So we did a few days in Seattle area, a few days in Portland and man, Powell's was awesome. And so I, I didn't awesome. even, uh, I didn't even think about it. I should have used my pal's bookmark for your book. That should have, that would have made too much sense. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I loved, I loved, I loved Portland, man. That was like, you know, coffee and just a bookstore, good beer places, just really good food. Uh, loved the, oh, it's awesome. Loves the scenery. It, it's so. gone downhill, as you may know, but yeah. we're hoping it bounces back. We're hoping it bounces back. And if you come out here again, we'll hit Pals. We'll do the whole there thing. We go. The food yeah. carts. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, so we'll get some beer. Oh, unless my mom's watching this. <laughs> yeah, we, we went to, uh, what's it called? Tin, tin Barrel, I think was the name of it. Yeah, we also went to, went to Deschutes as well. So, oh, um, yeah. So yeah, that, definitely want to get back out there. Excellent so, apple juice at those places. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. For, for the so, Baptists on here. So uh, his book is called Your Future Self Will Thank You, Secrets to Self-Control from the Bible and Brain Science. Obviously, wait, give, wait, it's got another tag. It's got another title on there. The tagline at the top. Oh, you're right. A guide for sinners, quitters, and procrastinators. We got Sorry, two. This is my favorite thing. And one person told me they're, they're like, well, I'm not a sinner, quitter, or procrastinator. And I was like, that's okay. It's for liars too. So it's perfect for you. <laughs> that's so great. Uh, so, so Drew, the, 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 the final question I always love to ask people whenever I interview them. So my show is called In No Hurry. And we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, but what are some things that you do uh, just to kind of make sure that you do have a way to slow down and eliminate the hurry from your life? Well, someone just said you can all come out to Cannon Beach, and I think that's about the best way to slow down. That's make true, yeah. Get away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? One thing for me, um, and this is going to be kind of obvious given kind of what I do, I'm an editor and author, but just reading yeah. is a real way to, I feel like when it's Netflix or social media, that doesn't leave me feeling peaceful, although I do it, right? But when I can just sit down, something about the medium of a book, it's a slower, deeper experience. And I'll be honest, because my brain has been conditioned by the internet, you know, all that stuff, the shallows, and I mean, all the research on how the internet has shrunk our attention spans and, and, and gotten us addicted to immediate gratification and information. It's harder these days to sit down, especially with a kind of a, maybe a, a, a meteor book. But when I do, it's such a great experience and I always yeah. come away feeling more peaceful. Yeah. Um, and i okay, got to say this. And reading the Bible, right? Yeah, I mean, sixty-six books, right? But yeah, yeah. it's like, and and because when I do, and, and when I start my morning that way, in particular, it just has a way of of setting the tone for the rest of the day. Right. And coming back to the topic of this, it's great for self-control, not only because God empowers us by His Spirit, but just something about starting your day with God's Word rather than social media, rather than emails from work, rather than whatever. Just having that as kind of the the, the baseline for your day has a way of boosting your self-control, at least for right. me. Um, yeah. So I recommend it. Well, great. This was uh, this was awesome. I really appreciate this conversation. Definitely, I recommend anybody watching this, check out Drew's book, Your Future Self Will Thank you. Uh, you. Definitely give Drew a follow on Twitter, Instagram. What, what website is 
Drew, I, Drew I apologize for my tweets in, in advance. Yeah. <laughs> hey, they're hilarious. My wife Grace says they're dumb. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I need yeah, that I, validation. I don't yeah. get it at home. Yeah. <laughs> but thanks. I've, we've had a lot of people join uh, and comment. I appreciate anybody that's joined um, and, and chimed in and let, you know, given your thoughts to this. I always enjoy doing these lives. I haven't done a ton of them, but it's always nice to kind of do it where you get to interact with the people that are watching. So um, this, yeah. is, this, this book was my book of the month for uh, for the month of March, which I think was perfect to do during Lent season. Uh, that was kind of, I think, worked out. We, you and I had been talking, I think, since around January, where we, I wanted to get you on my podcast. And I was like, that kind of just makes sense right in the middle of Lent, talking about self-control. So uh, oh, I do this, things up. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're trying to, yeah. Um, but I, but I, I, my plan is, I just started this last month doing this book of the month. My plan is to do this every month. So, um, you know, if, those of you that have joined, hope you'll stick around too for whenever I do this um, toward the end of April and talk to another author about their book. Um, check out my podcast, which is in no hurry. Um, check out Drew's work check out his podcast, check out his website, everything there. So Drew, if there's anything you want to plug here at the end, feel free. Oh yeah. If you, um, you go to my website, which is just my name, Drew Dick, D Y C K.com. You can, you know, there's some samples from the book. There's a study guide on there. That's free. There's some cheesy pictures of me and my family. You don't want to miss those. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if you want yeah, connect with me on Twitter, that's usually where I spend too much time. Even after I've been bashed on social media, I do spend a lot yeah. of time on Twitter. So I'd love yeah. to connect with you there. Well, great. Cannon Beach Cottage Flower says they're going to get their book this week. So needed for me, at least. Thank oh, you. awesome. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> Well, Drew, this was great. Thanks for joining me, man. And uh, we'll stay hey, in touch. Thank you. And I'm excited to uh, hear what people think of this book. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. It's been fun. Well, thank you all so much for joining me on this episode. Really, really enjoy talking to Drew. He's hilarious. Definitely give him a follow. He's one of my favorite people that I follow on Twitter because he is just so humorous. And also, as we've seen from this conversation, and if you've read his book, incredibly smart as well. So I definitely recommend this book if you have not read it yet. It truly is one of my favorite that I have read in a while. I was very, very fascinated to learn the different tendencies that we have and why self-control is something that is just so difficult for us to manage. But this was such a great conversation to end on as we take a little pause from regularly scheduled programming and I'm still going to continue doing these book of the month interviews, at least that's my plan. So be sure to check back at the end of the month on my Instagram if you're not already following me. Go ahead and do so at Cole Claiborne if you want to check those out whenever we do them. Like I said, it'll usually be toward the end of the month. So be sure to be on the lookout for those because I really do like talking to these authors about their books and going through them as well. But thank you all so much for listening. I really appreciate it each week. We're going to be back to regularly scheduled programming probably in late July or early August. So make sure that you're subscribed so whenever we do have episodes coming back later in the summer, you don't miss any of them. Thank you all for your support and your prayers as I go about this writing journey this summer. And if you are able to, I would greatly appreciate your support through that GoFundMe. You can check the link out in the show notes. But either way, above all, I would appreciate your prayers more than anything. Thank you all. Hope you guys have a great week. Hope you guys find some time to relax and not be in a hurry, and we'll see you soon.